I literally, like, I moved my family into a van so that we could actually spend time with family out of that one little idea. I didn't need 45 minutes to change, to literally uproot wow. my life, to change wow. my life. I know, that, mm -hmm. I know that Garrison, maybe I'm speaking too much, but I know that you made significant moves for the purpose of being around family in part because of this idea. Didn't need 45 minutes. It was like a two-minute concept, and it changed my life. You can wow. do the same. You can have the same impact on people's lives in a small hit. There was a comment in in uh, in the the live chat. Someone saying, "Why do we why do we have like this uh, affinity to really long pieces of content when a short Bible post could reach thousands more people?" And I think that's a fantastic question. Why are we so tied to the sermon? It's probably because we paid a lot of money. At, you, you, those of you who are who got real pastoral credentials, yeah. you spent a lot of money to get to get those degrees, right? And you were taught that you got to spend an hour for every minute of content that you put out. And I'm sorry, that's just not sustainable in the world of social media ministry. <laughs> It's good Come for your now. sermons, but you do not need to do that for social media content all the time. Okay. Like good news, you can do things yeah. that are shorter, but maybe even more impactful. Roger, you coming here? I, Roger, why you, you coming? <laughs> I mean, no, they, Justin and Garrison are on point. Just today, um, listening to Pastor Snell share, I, I just text, I just put in Facebook a statement he made. And within five minutes, uh, there were people liking, there were people commenting, uh, they were just participating in either uh, resonating with them or it's something. So you're right, content doesn't necessarily have to be video. It could just be a simple statement of what somebody says and they just take it to heart and run with it. Yeah, wow. yeah. Can, can, I, can I just jump in here? I'm gonna get a little technical with you all and kind of explain what's going on behind the scenes for, for many of these social media companies. Uh, they've built a business plan, a business model off of what's called UGC or user generated content. And this idea mm -hmm. is that wow. Facebook is the biggest content hub or maybe second biggest, probably the biggest content hub in the world. They don't produce very much content. Um, YouTube is the biggest video platform in the world. They don't produce very many videos. TikTok is growing to be one of the biggest video content platforms in the world. They produce very few videos. And the reason why this is very important and very relevant to what we're talking about here is that ministries, churches have the opportunity to not even have, like when you are mobilizing your church members, when you're mobilizing people to create the content, you you have an exponential opportunity to create far more content than any pastor could ever create on his own or her own or any ministry leader could ever create on their own. Wu was talking about in the comments just a few moments ago, he mentioned that these posts, you know, I, I imagine in a group or even just as, as, as Pastor Wade just mentioned on his own Facebook page, they blow up so many comments and so many likes. That's considered user generated content. The reason why it's blowing up is because it started a conversation. It has people in there adding their own thoughts. So as Justin is kind of encouraging us to simply ask questions, he's actually encouraging us to mobilize people within our social media networks to create more content for us in a way, right? Where I'm asking a question and now I get 150 people responding. Yeah. That's all that's helping it go further and more and more people are engaging. So that's a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes, kind of from a technical perspective with this, these pieces of content and, and why such simple bits of content, like a question, like a statement can go so far and, and can impact so many lives. 
Uh, it's because it's really starting again that conversation and getting more and more people engaged in it. Wow. Well, listen, I, you know, um, this this conversation, I, you know, is impacting me personally. I'm going to just tell you right now, I'm personally impacted by what you're saying. And so I need to, <laughs> there's a few things I'm going to do as a result of, um, of what you said. But let me ask you this. So, you know, we have, uh, Pastor Paul asked a question about, you know, ministries, apartments, and so forth. Um, I see a question in the chat, and it says, should tech teams, should they be seen as conduits to provide online ministry options, or should they be the content creators? What I think I heard you say, they should be content creators. I'll say this. Yeah, I'll I'll kind of jump in on that. I'm sure Justin has some thoughts as well. I'll say that, you know, we ask a lot of our tech teams right now. (laughs) We ask a a ton (laughs) from them. And so, yes but not only right yes and they should absolutely help with creating content that's absolutely a part of what they do Um, but they should not bear that responsibility and that load alone it'd be great if you could make content and hand it to your tech team that could be one way for you to get engaged you could it would be great if you're able to to kind of share even sharing is a a form of content kind of creation in your own right and so i know that's why why pastor paul and pastor henry and pastor wade are saying hey can we get a hundred shares i see there are about a hundred people watching right now if you share right now you're creating this, you're advancing mm, this conversation. Yeah. So it's not just on the tech teams, it's on everyone. Mm. You know, one of the things that happens a lot in sermons is you, you think about the sermon, you think about the message, you think about what the pastor is delivering to you and you say, man, if only my aunt was here, or man, mm. my, if, if only my cousin was paying attention, this is the sermon for them. And, and I wanna make sure that we're not doing that for this conversation, right? Maybe there is a place that, yes, your friend could benefit from hearing this. Maybe, yes, there's value in your tech team hearing this message. And, and like, let's, let's give space for that. And yet, the better question to ask is, well, what is God calling me to do? Mm. How can I get involved? Let's not pass the buck to somebody else. Let's, let's first take an inventory of what we're doing. What I have found is that when you lead the way by example, other people get inspired. That was what challenged me when I first got started. I, I had all these ideas of what the church could do, of what the denomination could do, what my conference could do. And I started to realize, man, they, they, this was years ago, right? And if you think right now people don't have a vision for digital missions, I mean, let's, let's, let's rewind 10 years ago. So I'm trying to motivate people to do things, but, but I am not actually doing anything myself. And what I've come to find is that as I step out in faith, and as I do the thing and God works through me and I, and I learn and I grow, I, I succeed and I fail and I, and I rinse and repeat over and over, that other people catch the flame as well. So let's just ask ourselves, what is God calling me to do today? Rather than what is God calling my pastor to do, my tech team to do, the elders of my church, my local conference? Let's, let, let's, let's do away with the cynicism and, the, and the, 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 just the overall spirit that said, man, our church isn't doing anything. You are the church. What are mm. you doing wow. And only once you have actually practiced what you preach, once you've only taken out the speck that's in, or sorry, the log that's in your eye, can you then have the freedom to start pointing at the speck in someone else's eye? Mm. <laughs> Throw that in there. <laughs> listen, listen, you paid good money for that pastoral license. Keep it up. Yes, 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 yes. Good stuff. Oh, man. Listen, um, you know, so we, we're, we're talking about, you know, the content, being content creator, putting some things there. Um, obviously, you know, in the last 
couple of, well, two years, under two years, we've seen some church ministries put stuff online, right? Um, what are the top mistakes that you see local ministry, uh, church ministry teams making and media departments making? And what are the top three things? You can say one or two, because we got some other things we want to discuss definitely that they're doing well. Yeah, I'll say, I'll, I won't go down my entire list here. I'll just start with one. I think one thing that a lot of ministries aren't doing well, and this is really, I, I hate to be critical in this way of really anyone. I just think it's usually a lack of knowledge, right? Which is that you've got to make, you, you can make content stretch for a very long time. And I'm trying to say that in, as clearly and simply as possible. What I mean by that is let's take Elevation Worship or Transformation Church or or Crosswalk or any of these other churches that have a, a, a relevant, you know, a, a nice presence online. They're taking one sermon and they are posting uh, text clips of what's been said. They're taking what's been said and posting it as a, as a text post. They're taking 30 seconds from some part in the sermon and posting that one time. They're taking 30 parts, 30 seconds from another part of the sermon. They're posting that. They're stretching out this content in a way that allows for them to post on this one sermon, this one church service. They're able to post for weeks. I kid you not, for weeks because of this one thing, this one thing. And so what I'd say is that a lot of ministries will stream or they'll repost the sermon. And that's beautiful. That's a step in the right direction. I think the next level, if we're going to take this to the next level, is to then figure out a way to cut it down into bits and bites and to, to distribute that over the course of several weeks and months. I think that's low-hanging fruit. That actually doesn't require anyone to create anything new. It's be, it allows you to be able to kind of use one thing that's already done, that's already been created, and to distribute it in many different ways. And I'd say to pastors, content, yeah. same thing same thing exactly this idea of repurposing pastors same thing steal from yourself you know there's a quote that says uh good artists uh copy great artists steal steal from yourself use what you've said and put it out in four or five different ways all right wow. here's an example wow. put it out in one way where it's just the sermon like maybe you've written the sermon put it out as the sermon next way put it out as bites as as text or tweet bites of what you've already written in your sermon the third way uh put a video up and and, and narrate it use the audio from your sermon and to have some visual element to it and just kind of put that together and put that out there i mean think of as many different ways do it in a creative way do it in a stale way do it in as many ways as possible use what way. you've already done stale just like literally cop <laughs> just steal from yourself as much as possible don't do the work wow. over and over and over again repurpose i think that's a mistake that a lot of ministries are making that's good. good people do not realize how meaningful this piece of advice that garrison just shared is like this is the secret to unlocking like like we're not talking about taking one step forward we're talking like taking like several steps forward in one go what most pastors don't realize is that in the work that they are already doing the work to prepare a sermon in one sermon you could have literally hundreds, if not thousands of pieces of what we call micro content. Um, in, in when, I, when I consult with a church, when I work with a pastor to help them uh, leverage their social media presence for their church and things like that, I, I share what's called the, 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 the loaves to leftover framework. It's this idea, there's this story where Jesus is feeding some people. You might've heard of it before. He started with five loaves, just one little thing, just, just what was being brought to the table, a little offering from a child. And then in the process of distributing this to people, there are, I think it's 12 baskets 
of leftovers, everyone has gotten their fill. What they've taken is they've taken the loaves, they've chopped it up into little pieces, they've contextualized it, and no one was left hungry. There's oh, this Lord. way to translate what you're already, because here's the thing, pastors feel overwhelmed with the idea of content creation. Oh my goodness, I'm already doing all my sermon prep. I'm already doing all my Bible studies. I'm sitting on the church board. I'm doing, yes, with respect, I get it. My hat is off to you guys. Like I don't have the, 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 the personality. I don't have the character buildup to be able to do all the things that you guys do. It's fantastic. But here's the thing. You don't see yourself as a content creator. And yet, what is the thing that you do every single week? Your literal life is surrounded one central hub that happens week after week after week after week. You are a content creator by trade. And so the challenge is getting pastors to believe this and to realize that they're sitting on a gold mine of content. Every question that you ask, every story that you're sharing, every illustration, every anecdote, every verse, every quote, all of these things can actually be content. You, I, I firmly believe this. Every pastor with every sermon is sitting on minimal 100 pieces of content every single wow. week. Wow. This is what I'm wow. trying to share with pastors and actually in my consulting, teach them how to translate the sermon you preached last week into a month's worth of content. Mm. Now, now, let me ask you this. Now, when we spoke about pastors. Most of our audience is probably not pa are probably not pastors. Does this Great. work the same? Is the same concept work for a Sabbath school teacher or for an AY leader yeah. or for a community services director? Can, can we talk to talk to that for for ministries, people who are in our audience who are doing their own ministries as a part of the church? I, I, absolutely. Let me reiterate, just for the record, I have never been and I'm not a pastor. So whatever, like I, I get the impulse and, I, and with respect, like to the people who feel that I get it. I've also felt that, but I'm not a pastor. I've never been to seminary. Ditto, like never been to seminary except for that one time or two times that I spoke for, for like a worship or something along those lines. You still can. You're preparing a Sabbath school. Your Sabbath school is the proverbial sermon where you're preparing a concept, an idea, and you can still mine that for all mm -hmm. kinds of content. Even if you're doing community service, you're serving people, you're interacting with them, you're having a, a real exchange with people, you're asking them questions, you're getting to know their life. We can look at our friend Caleb Isley from Humans of Adventism. He's not a pastor. All he does is he asks people questions and then writes down what they said and then shares it on the internet. Like, it's not that complicated of an idea. So, yes, I get it. I get the impulse. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be as sensitive as I can to that feeling because I was there. I get, I get it. It, it. My first videos that I used to create for YouTube would literally take me 20 hours to create. But that's because I didn't understand what I now know about content. I, I treated my YouTube content like a pastor treats a sermon. I put in all this time and energy. I didn't do what Garrison is suggesting. Show your work. Just share the mm. questions that you're asking. Share the things that you're, if you're reading a book, a devotional, and something hits you, and you're like, huh, wow, that's really good. Well, why not actually write that down? Why not share that with a friend? There are ways to create content that don't require this level of professional training. You don't need to spend hours and hours and hours to do this. Justin, they told me wow. I had to do it. Sorry. I <laughs> <laughs> I love y'all. This is so much fun. I, I, I yeah. am loving the look that I'm seeing on Garrison's face while you're talking because I know he's just chomping at the bit. <laughs> Guilty as charged, man. Listen, again, good content creators copy, great content creators steal. And even greater content creators will, will give attribution. So let's make sure we put that in there. I, your morning devotion, the people that you're describing, Pastor Paul, 
are people who I'm praying are having a morning time with God, or at mm. some point in their day, they're having time with God. So I, I have my, the devotion that I'm going through right now is Jesus Wins by Elizabeth Talbot. It's a, it's a phenomenal devotional. I highly recommend it. And there are every single day, I have a, a sticky note that I have in each one of those pages with big questions that this, that that day's devotional has caused me to ask. And I keep those questions. I don't always post those questions. That's not always the type of content that I'm necessarily putting out as Justin has suggested, but I have those questions. So in your morning devotion tomorrow, write down those big questions, write down those aha moments, and then post them, post them, put them somewhere, put them on Twitter, put them on Facebook, put them on Instagram, use your story and put them out there. So you don't, again, this is kind of getting to this idea that you don't have to be a pastor who's done the work of, of constructing an exegetical analysis of, of first and second Corinthians. You don't have to be that person. Just your time with God in the morning is enough to create at least four or five or 10 pieces of content for that week. And if you're mm. doing that every single day, you are in the process of making content. You're in the process of, of formulating the kind of content that you'll be able to put out uh, throughout that week. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Listen, I, I don't know about y'all. I don't know about my co-hosts. But I am just sitting here saying, man, uh, okay, if it's that simple, why couldn't yeah. we be doing this already? <laughs> Roger, I got a lot of content, yes. man. Roger, Amen. I got a lot of content. Amen. I got a lot of content. <laughs> we have one of our one of our viewers asked this question. Um, we're talking about content creating, but um, how um, now that everyone's in there? How do we measure the impact? How do we measure the impact? Uh, we talk about likes, shares. Uh, should those things matter? I think we mm. alluded to that earlier. But uh, Justin, share with us, how should we measure our impact uh, based on the content we're creating? This is a fantastic question, and it is one that's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? There's there's a lot, a lot of value of studying your analytics, uh, measuring what's working, retention time, likes, shares, saves, like all the things. Like those are helpful tools to be able to know what to do next. And yet, if I were to, with my very, very modest twenty-five thousand on TikTok, be able to go and look at Garrison Hayes, man, and I see his latest video got seven million views, and I realize that he's only posted like. Well, was it 30 times? I think we did the math one time, Garrison. I, I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something like he's posted 30 times in the last year and he's got hundreds of thousands of people. And when I do the math and I realize, man, for every one post that Pastor Garrison has created on TikTok, he's planted a new mega church. Like that's the actual wow. impact of what he's doing. When I am tempted to compare myself to what the work that God is doing through Garrison Hayes, I might feel discouraged. I might feel depressed. I might feel like it's not even worth it, that God's not doing anything through me at all. And so this is why I say that metrics and all these 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 numbers, it's a double-edged sword. You want to be able to leverage those things for growth, for insight, to be able to inc increase your craft. And yet it's also one of the things that is the greatest source of discouragement. It's one of the greatest sources of disappointment. And so we got to be able to handle this tool or this, this thing very, very, very carefully and very intentionally. Measuring impact is, is, is important. But it's, it's also something that y'all as pastors probably, are, I'm going to guess, no. You, you see your colleague who you graduated from seminary at the same time, and they started in this little church out in the country, and all of a sudden now their ministry is blossoming, and they just got promoted, and they got this, this, and this, and this. 
that that comparison game is 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 a losing game. So I just want to like make sure like it is one of those things that can can consume an uh, an unhealthy amount of your attention. And so with all that saying, how do we measure impact? I think we measure impact by or how do we measure things? How do we measure success? We measure it by faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Am I doing wow. what God wow. has called me to do? That's the question. Wow. And whether or not I only reach one person or if I reach a million people, as long as I'm doing what God has called me to do, then I'm successful. Wow. That's huge. We measure. Yeah, that's listen, it. Did y'all get it? We One measure view, success the, by the viewer. The viewer. The viewer said, "Mic drop," and the organ. <laughs> Mercy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow, Justin wow. is Justin is spot on. The person just commented saying, Justin, you're so correct. And you absolutely are. I think it's so easy. You know, Justin is being very kind about my audience, but I can easily look to no matter how big your audience is, there's always some creator who is much, much, much bigger than you. And so when we only focus on those, as they call vanity metrics, um, you it's easy to lose sight. In fact, I wouldn't even start here. If I was someone who was creating, um, I would not even worry or concern myself necessarily about that right now. I would be asking that question of faithfulness. With that said, and Justin alluded to this a bit, uh, I do think that there are things that you can do. There are ways that a lot of times there's a, a ton of psychology that goes into some of the, those to, to get to those bigger kind of places. You know, Justin has over a hundred thousand followers or subscribers on YouTube, and he didn't get there by just throwing things out there carelessly. He's making content. He's making videos that are extremely intentional. Every second is accounted for. And that's something that you build over time. Uh, there's this quote from Ira Glass. He kind of talks about, he's a, he's a journalist. He talks about how we all come into this idea or this, this world of creating with a certain amount of taste. Like we know, like we're, we're not new to video at, at, in this day and age. If you're on this live stream, you know that this frame that I am in right here is, is nice. Like not everyone's doing that. You have good taste. You say, this is what it looks like to do content well. This is what it looks like. And so because you've been paying attention, you know what it looks like to do it the right way. So you have good taste, but your ability might be down here. So you might be looking at your content and you're like, man, I have good taste. I know what it's like to do a video really well, like Justin, right? But I made a video and it wasn't there yet. And what Ira Glass talks about is that the only way to close the gap between your taste, which is normally really high. I know what it's like to have a really good video or have a really good post or whatever it is. I have that good taste. The only way to cut, to close the gap between your taste and your ability is to create. And as you create more, and more and more and more your ability gets higher and higher you get better and better and eventually one day your taste and your ability will be matching and you'll be able to kind of grow from there and so i think it's very important that if you start off by saying man i am not getting the likes and the subscribers and the followers or whatever it is just continue to grow your taste and continue mm. so pay cl- pay close attention to what's working pay close attention to how people That's are good. formulating their content to get to get those likes that you're kind of wanting or to get the followers that you're mm-hmm. wanting pay close attention to what's working out there that's very important pay, a clo- pay close attention to what's working but create and in the process mm. of creating you'll start to see that gap close between what you really like and what's working and what you're doing um, and i think that's a very important thing mm. wow yeah. Well, 
we know what we'll be talking about in the next production meeting, guys. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So oh let my. me let me just go into that next question, and I think we've covered quite a bit of it. And I just want to make sure that if we ha- if there are some spaces that we haven't covered, that we that we do get to it. And and so when we when we have that conversation about content and the delivery of the content, which is pretty much what we've just been talking about. Um, as, as Christians and as Seventh-day Adventists, we have a little, in a sense, an advantage in that we don't have to create content ex nihilo or, or, or out of nothing. Sorry, that was my yeah, uh, theology background coming in. We don't have to create it out of nothing. The content already exists for us, right? We, we know the, the Bible and God's word, and, and that's already the content that most of us start off saying, yes, we've got to share that. But then the question becomes, well, then how do we formulate it? How do we package it in such a way that people are going to want to come back and hear more and learn more and dig deeper for themselves. So when it comes to pastors, when it comes to ministry departments, are there any other um, ways that you have seen that delivery happen effectively or, or strategies that, that local churches, pastors and departments can, can put together? Any, I know we've discussed a lot of that already, but is there anything beyond what we've discussed that might be valuable to people looking to how do we take this content and present it in such a way that's really going to uh, maximize the impact of a ministry? Yeah, I'll I would uh, say go that, ahead. Go ahead. Justin. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I would say that relevant content is rooted in a deep understanding of your audience. Um, the idea of just thinking of what's the next best thing that I could say, what's the next most important piece of content that I create is an important exercise to go through. And yet before that takes place, you must first do the work of understanding who you're speaking to and where you're speaking. Like, what is the context in which you're speaking? Because that would dramatically change the way that you address whatever subject you're going to be addressing. And so a, a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, a lot of ministries make the mistake of saying, who is this ministry for? It's for everyone. And, and yes, I get the aspirational, you want it to Every reach nation, everybody. But there's, people. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I, I get that. And that's, that's great. And I, and I love the vision behind it. But in order to reach so, everyone, you must first reach someone. Who is that someone that you're trying to reach first? What Mm -hmm. is the context in which they are living? What are the challenges and problems that they're facing? What are the things that could be that uh, uh, glass of water when they're parched? How can you contextualize what what message that God has given you to the Mm. person that you're speaking to? Those who have the the, the gift of creating relevant content have a good gift in understanding their audience first. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm sorry, Pastor Paul. It looked like you were about to say something, so go I don't ahead, want to jump ahead. in yeah. prematurely. You see, I'm yeah. jump, I'm chomping at the bit yes, to get to I, this. Yeah, I see. I'm, you. Go for it. I'm I'm passionate about this point particularly. I think a lot of times we will try to create content for content's sake, and that is not what we've been encouraging you to do. We've been encouraging you to create valuable content, and valuable mm. content helps in some way. As a matter it's of fact, in the Bible, that's a, Garrison. It's all valuable. It's it's Bible. You can't. <laughs> You, you, you know, you know, as much as I'd like for that to be true, <laughs> um, there is some intentionality. When Pastor Wade chooses his text, he understands that he's trying to help in some mm. way. So he's not just reading 
Chronicles 7 verse 1 just for the sake of it, right? Like whatever whatever might be in that text. He's not just doing it for the That's for right. the sake of right. it. He's We're choosing a word in season. In, in season, season, right? Oh. In season. Exactly. Come on. Yes, sir. And so and, and so what I mean by that is and what I think is is very important is that the primary thing that you're thinking about when you're about to create, let's say a video, is you're asking yourself, how can this help someone? How can this serve someone? How can this add value to their lives. I find that the content that is most successful, if you want to get to those vanity metrics that we were just talking about, the stuff that is most successful on any of these platforms that we've been kind of talking about are the things that really ask and answer an urgent question that really provide significant value for the audience. And so it's not that you're just getting online and dancing or whatever it is and playing a cute song and putting some music behind it and putting a Bible text on the screen. That adds no value. No one, like, how am I benefited by this I, whatsoever? I don't know. I'd, wa I'd watch Pastor Paul do that. I, I, if you did that, Pastor Paul, I'd be following. I'd just to let you know. <laughs> He'd be my one follower. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, he might blow up. He might blow up. He might blow up. Never mind. Never mind. Forget what I said. No, no, but seriously, seriously, think of how can I add value to the lives of the people watching this? And I promise you, if you build it around that principle, they will come. They will, they will watch, they will follow, they will come back and watch more because they are learning something, they're receiving something. And I'll, I'll add this in, I'm sorry to go so long here, but I'll say that there are people on TikTok, uh, a couple who I've come, ac come across where they are just everyday people, lay members just like you and I, but they are believers and they get on every single day and they say a word of prayer. They say, Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to pray for the person watching this right now that they'll have a successful day, that they will, uh, that they'll be safe, that they'll, they, they just pray a simple prayer on TikTok. Millions of followers. Why? It's not because they're the most interesting, innovative, crazy off the top. You know, they don't have the craziest graphics. They're adding value by praying for someone who's watching a video. That's And that's all someone wanted wow. that day. And there are enough someones who want that simple thing on these platforms that they're willing to follow, not just in the hundreds, but in the millions. And so wow. I think that's an, an important thing to kind of center is how am I adding value? How am I benefiting the people who are watching this content? So one follow-up to that. So if I'm creating content, am I creating content for the audience that I have or am I creating content for the audience that I want? Because, because I think in many cases, our churches, you have <laughs> the audiences who's in the building. And so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of churches and ministries get, I think, stuck in, okay, who's showing up to the building and the stuff that I'm putting in the virtual space, that's my audience. They're showing up there. So am I creating content for them? to keep them or am I creating content for someone else? What's the, what's or, or, the, or let's, or even, even let's stretch it even more. Uh, just because I'm putting up content, is it valuable? Cause when, 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 when Garrison was talking there, I began to, I began to evaluate is my church service valuable. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Come on, Raj. It's wow. a great That's question. A real question. It's a very Ooh. real question. <laughs> Um, I think there are going to be far more people out. Uh, 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 how do I say this? I, I think you're going to have far fewer people in your church, in your immediate ministry sphere of influence than the rest of the world. I think that's just a basic math. 
problem there, right? There are going to be far more people outside of your church than inside of your church, no matter how big your church is. Even if you have a 20,000 member church, right? Like you're still going to have far more people outside than inside. Mm -hmm. And so both, a little bit of both is important. But but thinking about that larger audience and thinking about how we can get those people who are not already believers to understand just a little bit more about the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, come on, that's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. All right. OK, so so uh, Dr. Henry, you want to hit that next question? I know we only got about 10, five minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was I, I was looking I was looking yeah. at the time, Pastor Paul. Boy, we running thin, man. Every time yeah. we have these heavy hitters, man, it's like we just don't have enough time. Right. <laughs> to do it. But let me, let me ask this question. Okay. So we're talking about people putting content, man, on, uh, online and, and trying to minister to the people and, and, and walking through the process. And, and so what are the personal needs for any ministry? Okay. Looking to level up their impact in the virtual or hybrid space. And who are the people that can and should participate in ministries content delivery all right so justin help us with that Mm -hmm. i i think that one of the most important things that uh any content creator whether it's an individual a church a ministry one of the things you need is a system is a process um if you're starting fresh every single day wondering huh what should i do and how do i do it and you're starting from a blank slate like a truly actually blank slate every time the, the distance from having an idea to putting it out there in the world, it's just it's far too large. And so um, developing systems that are able to help you streamline the process of taking whatever idea you have to distributing it out there in the world. One of the best things that I did was be able to actually like intentionally craft out my process. So from, from the moment that I have, oh, oh, this is what I want to say. This is the thing that I want to share. From that moment in just a very short window, I can now create 10 pieces of that that content in 10 different iterations. Knowing how to do that at scale is super important. At the end of the day, I don't actually believe that pastors specifically should be the ones, for example, editing their videos or creating their own graphics or even scheduling their own posts. I get that the reality is, in the, and specifically in the Adventist denomination, that that is the reality for most pastors who, who are motivated to this, to, this, to this mission calling. And yet that is only a a Band-Aid solution. That's one way to get you started. But if you're going to be able to operate at scale and to be able to actually do what God has called you to do, I I would encourage you to build the team around you, to develop the systems in place. So that way, from literally the moment you just preach your sermon and you say amen, and the next week you're starting to work on the next thing and do all the pastoral duties that you're already doing, you know that there's a team in place and a system that's been well-tested and thought through. It's strategic, and you know that from just saying amen in your sermon, now you have 100 pieces of content going out in your church on every single platform. Like that's kind of the end goal. And so developing systems, building a team is the most important thing if we're going to be able to find success in the years to come. I, I do I do want to follow up on Dwayne's comment. You know, we I, I hope that you didn't feel that um, my statement about the worship service may not be relevant. It, it Every worship service is relevant. But sometimes we tend to think we'll just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And it's making and it's adding value to folks' lives. So we, I believe, this is my personal view, that even every from week to week, we ought to look at what we have done or what we are doing to make sure it has value 
to the and speaks to the times. And I believe that will increase the type of in, engagement that we are looking for, or even adding the value to the faithfulness that we're doing each week. So I just wanted to make sure that I, I share that point. A question came up, uh, maybe Pastor Hayes. How long does it take to lose an audience? This is from uh, <laughs> a comment online. Um, I think it takes. I think it takes a little bit longer than 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 we think. I mean, you can absolutely. I guess. I, I guess there are diff a few different ways to to kind of approach this conversation. If you're talking about like subscribers and followers, how long does it take for people to just jump off? Um, maybe not that. Maybe it takes a while. I think for people just to jump off the train, they're a lot more gracious than you think. If you're talking about how long it takes for someone who's watching your video to click out of your video, <laughs> um, one, two, three seconds, and they're gone, right? You have to use, you have to, to be as interesting at the very beginning as possible. Um, there's a method that I've kind of come up with called hook, hold, and help. And so you have to think about hooking people. You got to figure out how you're going to hold them there. And once you've got them, you got to help them. And so it, it's very easy to lose your, your viewer in a moment, so speak fast oh boy we guys we we keep almost every show we do this we, we say we need a part two i'm looking <laughs> at our time it's 4 30 right now and, yeah. and we have two huge questions still on the table that that we haven't gotten to yet um that we could really even you know i'm looking at question number five that says um we talked about in the first question establishing a virtual presence talk to us about online presence and online community is there a difference between having an online presence and an online community um and and, and which should we be pursuing just the presence or a, a community um we, I know we could spend easy the next 15 to 30 minutes on, on that aspect. And I think that we should, um, because I, I think both of our get, well, let me, let me let each of you, I'll give you uh, 60 seconds a piece to just kind of speak to that. I know I'm, I'm, I'm dummying that time down on that, but our, our time is, is gone. Um, Justin Garrison, either of you want to take a, a stab at that in, in that amount of time? <clears throat> Sure, I'll give it a go. There's a massive difference between an online presence and an online community. Uh, even if you're creating the kind of content that reaches hundreds of thousands and millions of people, you may not actually be developing community. You might just be uh, developing uh, consumers, right? And this is the challenge. Like a, 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 an okay church, a good church has a great sermon, but a fantastic church builds community, right? And so uh, it, when we're only optimizing for the production of a thing, we might have really great content. We might have a really great presence, but it takes a different type of intentionality to actually build community. And so one of the shifts that I've actually been doing intentionally myself is moving away from focusing on the quote unquote vanity metrics. I'm creating the kind of shows that I know aren't necessarily gonna reach millions of people anymore. Mm. I've had a handful of experiences that I've actually done that type of a thing. And yet now I'm trying to tackle a different thing and it's a growing process. It is challenging to do so when everyone is fighting for attention. But in the last 12 months, I've been able to create the kind of content that we've been describing, content of value, uh, things that are gonna be serving people and funneling people. And this is a whole nother concept of, of the idea of content funneling. But I've been able to grow a community of several hundreds of people where we're able to meet weekly for Bible studies. We're able to serve them at a deep level. We're able to listen to them, to talk mm -hmm. for hours on end as a community. Like, it's an entirely different thing to create content that has presence and to create kind of content that develops community. 
I think as a church, we need to be able to have a healthy balance of both. I think in order to create community, you must first have presence. And so there certainly is like a, a, a cart and a horse kind of effect, but what we're ultimately going for, and this is why our suggestion against following vanity metrics exclusion to the exclusion of other things is like, no, that's not what we're going for. What we're wanting to do is reach people deeply. We're wanting to do it at a community level. We're wanting lives to be changed. And yes, a, a, a seven second video or a, you know, a one minute TikTok or a podcast, like they all have their role in doing that. But we need to be able to move people towards community, towards fellowship, towards a, a relationship with each other and a relationship with God. Hmm. I love it. Garrison, any, any thoughts? Any, anything on that? Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, having an online presence is really, in my opinion, it's putting stuff out, but having very little come in and interacting with that thing that comes in. And I think that could, you know, easily be a, a lesson for pastors and leaders to not only get up on stage and speak into the mic, but never mingle amongst the people as Jesus did. And I think online is the same idea, whether you're a pastor or not, in your online presence as you're putting content out engage in those comments, talk to the people, figure out how it's meeting people and respond accordingly to the way in which it's meeting people. That's how you create community. And I'll just throw out a shout out to one of mine and Justin's good friends. His name is Kevin. Uh, he's on TikTok as the chai guy, right? Chai he makes guy. chai. Yeah, the chai guy. He's making chai content. And he's done a phenomenal job of not just putting stuff out into the world as having a presence on the internet as a platform, but he's really creating a community of people who feel so deeply connected, not just to the drink that he's making, this, this tea drink that he's making, but also mm -hmm. connected to his mission and the ways in which he builds community around that. It's, it's beautiful to see. And it's because he's interacting with people, um, almost everyone who sends him a message or responds to one of his things, he's going to respond back to them. And, and that's how you create that community as a content creator.